Genesis 22. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey and took two of his men with him and his son Isaac. He cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went, both of them, together. And Isaac said to his father Abraham, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold, the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So they went, both of them, together. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in the order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. And the angel of the Lord called Abraham a second time from heaven and said, by myself, I have sworn, declares the Lord. Because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they arose and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham lived at Beersheba. Now after these things it was told to Abraham, Behold, Milcah has also borne children to your brother Nahor, Uz his firstborn, Buzz his brother, Kemuel the father of Aram, Chezod, Hazo, Pildash, 
Jill, Laf, and Bethuel. Bethuel fathered Rebekah. These eight Milcah bore to Nahor, Abraham's brother. Moreover, his concubine, whose name was Reuma, bore Tabar, Geham, Tahash, and Makkah. And now Luke. Luke 20, 27 to 47. There came to him some Sadducees, those who deny that there is a resurrection. And they asked him a question saying, teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies, having a wife, but no children, the man must take the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first took a wife and died without children. And the second and the third took her, and likewise all seven left no children and died. Afterward, the woman also died. In the resurrection, therefore, whose wife will the woman be? For the seven had her as a wife. And Jesus said to them, The sons of this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy to attain to that age and to the resurrection from the dead, neither marry nor are given in marriage. For they cannot die anymore because they are equal to angels and are sons of God, being sons of the resurrection. But that the dead are raised, even Moses showed in the passage about the bush, where he calls the Lord, the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. Now he is not God of the dead, but of the living, for all live to him. Then some of the scribes answered, Teacher, you have spoken well, for they no longer dared to ask him any question. But he said to them, How can they say that the Christ is David's son? For David himself says in the book of Psalms, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. David thus calls him Lord, so how is he his son? And in the hearing of all the people, he said to his disciples, beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and love greetings in the marketplaces and the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts, who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers, they will receive the greater condemnation. Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you, Lord, for, for your word this morning. Lord, I pray that you'll teach us, encourage us. Lord, I pray that, you, I pray that you'll speak through me, speak for me. And I pray that our hearts will be opened to hear your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you for reading, Laura. Last week, Sam um, showed us how Jesus' authority was questioned by the chief priests and elders. And this week, we're introduced to the Sadducees. 
Now, the Sadducees were an aristocratic, politically powerful people. They controlled the high priesthood at the time and held majority of the seats in the Sanhedrin. They tended to be more conservative than the Pharisees and they did not believe in the resurrection or an afterlife. And they actually rejected the, the traditional teaching taught by the Pharisees. So because they did not believe in the resurrection, they were sad, you see. They challenged Jesus by suggesting that the doctrine of resurrection is irrational. They pose a question that stems back to Deuteronomy 25.5. So if brothers are living together and one of them dies without a son, his widow must not marry outside the family. Her husband's brother shall take her and marry her and fulfill the duty of a brother-in-law to her. So in other words, the purpose of this, this custom was to make sure that the that the family name was not blotted out. So the Sadducees were asking two questions in one. The first one, whether it is rational to believe in, in, in resurrection. And the second one, how do we properly interpret the law of Moses? Now, Jesus responds, Jesus responds by saying, as a human, you need to multiply. So you're given in marriage as God intended so the children can be born to that marriage. We always think about how our family will continue on. You know, in Australian culture, it's the, it's the name that passes through the male line, not necessarily the, uh, the female line. So we want our family to keep on going. So we have sons to pass on our family name. But some, some marriages, obviously, they, um, they don't have any sons, but the family line is not dead in that. But Jesus says in verses 35 to 36 of Luke 20, but those who are considered worthy of taking part in the age to come and in the resurrection from the dead will neither marry nor be given in marriage, and they can no longer die, for they are like angels. In other words, when we die, we will acquire a resurrected body that will not decay. That'd be pretty good. So they don't need to give birth to extend the family line, the family's bloodline. Acts 13, 12 sorry, Acts 13.32 says, we tell you the good news. What God promised our ancestors, he has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus. As it is written in the second Psalm, you are my son. Today I have become your father. God raised him from the dead so that he will never be subject to decay. As God has said, I will give you the holy and sure blessing promised to David. So it is also stated elsewhere, you will not let your Holy One see decay. Then Jesus goes on to say that even Moses knew that the dead rise. 
You remember back, Moses saw a burning bush, but the bush wasn't burning. And he stepped in closer for a, a better look. And then God said to him, hey, stop. Take off your shoes for you're standing on holy ground. God said to Moses, I am the God of the father of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. So he knew that God was aware of his promises and the people had been resurrected into God's presence. But all the way through the first five books of the Bible or the Pentateuch, the, the, the actual theme or the doctrine of resurrection is carried on. So he explains that to the uh, Sadducees and then all of a sudden he comes up with this game changer. And he said in verse 38, God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. For, all for to him, all are alive. So God is alive. He's a living being. And all throughout the scriptures, there are accounts of of God speaking audibly to people. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Samuel, Mary, Paul. And I bet you can list a whole stack of others. So the first thing we learn this morning is that God is alive. Does that encourage you? Does that lift your spirits? With Easter only a month away, what better way to launch our thinking about Easter than to reaffirm or remind ourselves that God is alive? If you look back to Genesis 2, verse 7, it says, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now, unless something has breath, how can it be alive? So God breathes into the lifeless form of Adam and the man became a living being. Now, somebody has taken the, uh, the honour of inventing resuscitation. But I'm going to put it to you that God invented it first, but it wasn't resuscitation. It was just suscitation because Adam hadn't breathed before this. He breathed into Adam's nose and he became a living being. After Jesus was crucified, we read in Acts 1-3, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, for I delivered to you as a first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and to all the apostles. Last of all, 
as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. John recorded in Revelation 1.17, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me saying, fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore. Moses knew that God was alive. In Deuteronomy 5, he reminded the people of the way that God wrote on the stone tablets and gave them the law. And he said in verse 22, these words the Lord spoke to, you, to all your assembly at the mountain out of the midst of the fire, the cloud and a thick darkness with a loud voice. And he added no more. And he wrote them on two tablets of stone and gave them to me. And as soon as you heard his voice out of the midst of the darkness, while the mountain was burning with fire, you came near to me, all the heads of your tribes and your elders. And you said, behold, the Lord our God has shown us his glory and greatness. And we have heard his voice out of the midst of the fire. This day we have seen God speak with man and man is still alive. Now, therefore, why should we die? For this great fire will consume us. If we hear the voice of the Lord our God anymore, we shall die. For who is there of all flesh that has heard the voice of God living, speaking out of the midst of the fire as we have and has still lived? Go near and hear all that the Lord our God will say and speak to us that our Lord our God will speak to you and we will hear and do it. So the Israelites knew that God was alive. Sometimes it makes you wonder with the way they reacted, but Moses reminded the people that God was alive. He spoke to them. Secondly, the thing that, that God spoke to me about was God is the author of life. Now, a person who writes a book is obviously an author. And we read that there is a book of life. David knew about it. Psalm 69, 28, David wrote a prayer crying out to God because of people who hated David and he was in the depths of despair. He was scorned, disgraced and shamed. And David asked that their names be blotted out of the book of life. We read, in, we, we read what Paul wrote to the Philippians in Philippians 4, 3. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are written in the book of life. Is your name written in the book of life? For those who are saved by the blood of Jesus, their names are written in the book of life. And there are numerous references to the book of life in Revelation. God is the author of life, but we killed him. As we read in Acts 3.15, you killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. And we are witnesses to this. So even though we killed him, God is alive. Even Isaiah says, 
This is what God the Lord says, the creator of the heavens who stretches them out, who spreads out the earth with all that springs from it, who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk on it. Which leads to the third point. God is the giver of life. In, in Timothy, we read, in the sight of God who gives life to everything and of Christ Jesus who will testify before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to him be honour and might forever. Amen. Look at Abraham. God spoke to Abraham and told him in Genesis 15 that his descendants will be numbered greater than the stars. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram. I get confused with Abram, Abraham sometimes in a vision. Don't be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Abram had, Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, this man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. And then he said, so shall your offspring be. Sarah was barren. She was 90 years old. Abraham, or Abram, was 100. Yet at these ages, when everyone thought they were past their use-by date, they were given the life of a child. That's pretty amazing. Then when God tested Abraham's faith, as Laura read with Isaac, God provided the life of a ram. In Genesis 22, Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham, Abraham, Abraham called the place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord will be provided. The fourth point is that God has promised life. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall have eternal life and not perish. God didn't say that we may have eternal life. He said you have eternal life if you believe in him. 1 John 1.1, 1, 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it. And testify to it. 
and we proclaim to you the eternal life which is with the Father and has appeared to us. John 17, 1. After Jesus said this, he looked towards heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to those you have given him. Now this eternal life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I've brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. John 5, 24. Very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Now, obviously, he's not saying that our earthly bodies will not die because death is a part of life. But once you have the life that Jesus gives, death cannot destroy that life. We read in John 6.40, For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. Which leads me to the fifth point. God, Jesus, is the resurrection and the life. John eleven twenty five, 25, when Jesus was talking to um, Martha just after Lazarus had died, I'm the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. So that was just before um, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead the first time. So we have this promise that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life and he will raise them up at the last day. In 2 Corinthians 4.13, we read, since we have the same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. So anyone who says there is no resurrection is calling God a liar. Or they don't believe in the name of Jesus. But, you know, Abraham believed in, in resurrection because we read in Hebrews 11, verse 17, by faith, Abram, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. And even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac, Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned, Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. Jesus taught many times about the resurrection, both his and the children of God. Paul taught in Acts 24, 14. However, I admit that I worship the God of our ancestors as a follower of the way, which they call a sect. I believe everything that is written that is, is in accordance with the law and that is written in the prophets. And I have the same hope in God as these men themselves have, 
that there will be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. So I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God and man. So Paul was on trial at this time because of this hope. The hope that there will be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. And Jesus taught many, many times in his earthly ministry that he would die and rise again on the third day. Jesus did die. And he did rise again on the third day. He's alive and he gives us life. Know this. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. For to him, all are alive. So God is alive. He's the author of life. And your name, my name, is written in the book, in his book of life. God is the giver of life. And God promises life for those who believe in the name of Jesus. God, Jesus is the resurrection and the life. If you know and believe these things, then you are also alive. You're part of the living body of Christ. We serve a risen saviour. We don't serve a saviour who's still on the cross. He is risen. He is alive and he's preparing a place for us. He lives. Our God is life. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And because he lives, we can face tomorrow. Alfred H. Ackley knew this when he penned these words during his life between 1887 and 1960, and you'll recognize these words when I read them. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he is living, whatever man may say. I see his hand of mercy. I hear his voice of cheer. And just the time I need him, he's always near. Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you, Lord, for your message this morning that you are alive. You have given us eternal life and you are preparing a place for us and our names are written in your book of life. Lord, for anyone who does not know who you are or believe in your name here today, I pray that you will open their hearts, open their eyes, that they will come to know you and also be put in the book of life. In Jesus' name. Amen.